Today's devotional is going to be about the Magi. And this is a subject that has always confused me. Uh, why would these non-Hebrew people, these three, three men, uh, ride a bunch, of, ride three camels, and ride their camels to Bethlehem, give gold, frankincense, and myrrh to Jesus and, and his parents, and then ride away again? Um, here's let's read Matthew's uh, description of the event. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem, in Judea, during the time of King Herod. Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is he, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem and Judea, they replied. For this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Um, this has, a, there's a couple questions that come to mind here. First of all, the Magi show up. Now, in almost every uh, church pageant I've seen, it shows the Magi showing up and just kind of zipping over to, to the stable. But no, they stop off at Herod first. Okay, I get that. But then the Magi didn't know exactly where Jesus was, was being born. How did they know the approximate time of when Jesus was born? Um, and when King Herod heard this, it says he was disturbed. And all what is it about the arrival of the Magi that would set that would unsettle King Herod and all of Jerusalem? The word for disturbed, I think, is uh, agitated. You know, this is this was something very concerning. And what is it? Was it the news about a? another quote-unquote king that upset him? Or was there something about the Magi themselves that upset him? Hmm. Inquiring minds want to know. So, let's go back to the beginning. Let's take a look at this. What about the Magi? How did the wise men know? Well, the wise men, or Magi, were educated and notable men who studied the stars and apparently knew prophecies well. Uh, they were astronomers, astrologers, or they were well-versed in many educational disciplines. Now, it's thought to have been Daniel the prophet who first introduced the Magi to the Holy Scriptures of the God of Israel. And here we have uh, a passage from Daniel chapter 2. The king gave to Daniel the honors previously promised to the Babylonian wise men. Hint, Magi. That's what they were called. Nebuchadnezzar claimed God for revealing such a mystery to Daniel as a prophetic dream. And just as chapter 1 ends with Daniel in a position of superiority, chapter 2 of Daniel ends with his promotion. The king even honored Daniel's request to appoint his three Hebrew friends as administrators over the province. All right. So the Magi 
were a Babylonian uh, of the Babylonian culture. And Daniel was appointed as the leader of the Magi. Now, Daniel was a great example of someone that we talked about. Remember when I talked about Peter saying that uh, uh, that we believers are a culture living within a culture that will be in opposition to us? Daniel is a perfect example of that. He was uh, of Hebrew culture, and he lived within the Babylonian culture, and he gained favor, and he still maintained his Hebrew distinctiveness, got in trouble for it a couple times, him and his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, if you remember those. So Daniel actually was appointed by Nebuchadnezzar to be over the Magi. So it would make wonderful sense, since the Magi were very much uh, interested in um, educational disciplines, it's not hard to believe that Daniel would have brought the five books of Moses, the law, with him, and that that would become part of the things in the library that the Magi would study and become familiar with. So it's believed that throughout the centuries, these wise men studied the Hebrew scriptures that Daniel would have brought to them. Now, in the ninth chapter of Daniel's book, Daniel is told by God in a dream exactly how many years are going to pass before the death of Messiah. No one understand this. From the time the word goes out to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until the anointed one, the ruler, comes, there will be seven sevens and 62 sevens. It will be rebuilt with streets and a trench, but in times of trouble. After the 62 sevens, the anointed one will be put to death and will have nothing. The people of the ruler who will come will destroy the city and the sanctuary. All right, let's stop right there. First of all, he's giving... Uh, a pretty definitive amount of time before the anointed one is killed. All right? That's in verse 26. And the people of the ruler who will come will destroy the city and the sanctuary. Well, that's Rome. Rome actually came within a generation of Jesus' death and destroyed uh, the temple and Jerusalem. The end will come like a flood. War will continue until the end and desolations have been decreed. He will confirm a covenant with many for one seven. In the middle of the seven, he put an end to sacrifice and offering and the temple he will set up an abomination that causes desolation until the end that is decreed decreed and is poured out on him. We don't have time to go into all prophetic implications of this. Point is, the Magi would have known that from the time of the rebuilding of Jerusalem to the time that the anointed one, the ruler, is killed, will be a, a fixed amount of years. And so it would make sense that they could just backtrack from the time of death. And maybe they were thinking in terms of they knew that uh, you had to be 30 years old to become a priest in Israel. So maybe they just counted back 30 years to get a general idea of when uh, Jesus would have been born. And that would have sent them on their journey to find this king of the Jews. Okay, well, all right, so let's just say that these three wise men had kind of a little bit of a clue 
about when he would be born. And so they're going to go looking for him. But they, they don't know where he is yet. They don't know about Bethlehem. They just went back to where it all began with the interaction between Babylon and Israel, which would be Jerusalem. The Magi, therefore, understood the general timing of Messiah's birth and the sign that would lead them to the place where he would be born. That is, to calculate the death date of his death and count backwards to get a general understanding of when his birth might be. So the Magi would have gone to Jerusalem, makes sense, to ask about the specifics as to exactly where the king of the Jews would be. So the wise men come from Babylon. They were the followers of Daniel, or descendants of the followers of Daniel, who left them instructions telling exactly when they should begin looking for the Messiah. All they had to do was start with the years until the death of Messiah and backtrack to get a general idea of his birth. So I'm, I'm sure that there, there were still some miraculous signs in the heavens that would, that would confirm their search. But it's not entirely out of the realm of the possibility to realize the, that these learned men had done their research and knew, generally speaking, when the Messiah would be born. But maybe not exactly. So Magi, now here, this, this part's important. Magi is the old Persian word Magav. I think that's how you pronounce it, which refers to a certain very wise, hereditary, priestly tribe of people who come from the Medes. Think Persians, Medo-Persian Empire. This term, term is also translated as Magistanes or Megastanes, from which we get our term magistrates. The Magi were so powerful in their culture that historians, like Herodotus, tell us that no Persian was ever able to become king except under two conditions. He had to master the scientific and religious discipline of the Magi, and he had to be approved of and crowned by the Magi. In effect, they controlled who could be king within the Mesopotamian re region. Having through the years risen to a place of prominence in the kingdoms of Babylon, Media, and Persia, they served as advisors to the rulers. And so the term became synonymous in many ways with being a wise man. This is how our English translations render the word Magav. Now, sometime after the birth of Jesus, some God-fearing Magi arrived in Jerusalem asking for the king of the Jews. Hmm. Now, back away from that scene for a second. Let's do some little bit more digging in the background. Politically speaking, Rome was strategically concerned with the Eastern Empire of Parthia. As the old Medo-Persian Empire became known, Rome had stretched its tentacles out to rule the world, but they never really felt secure about the Parthian Empire because they never conquered them. Israel, who's situated between these two powers, actually became a battleground between these violent enemies in 63, 55, and 40 B.C. Rome's anxiety over the Eastern Empire was accurately reflected in Herod's response to the rival of the Magi in Matthew 2.3. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled. When he heard that Magi, the Oriental Parthian kingmakers, had arrived in Jerusalem, he became justifiably, justifiably politically insecure. At the, by the time of Christ, the Magi still had tremendous power in the East. Now, some of them used their power, position, and skills with great amount of human wisdom, but others 
prostituted their craft. Both kinds of magi were very common in the Mediterranean area when Christ was born. Now, at the time of Christ in the Eastern Empire, there was a ruling body who would be similar in function to the United States Senate. It was totally composed of magi who had the right of absolute choice for the selection of a king. They were called kingmakers. Now, when the magi arrived in Jerusalem, asking for the whereabouts of the new king that had been born, Herod panicked, knowing that those Persian kingmakers had come to find their king. Now, that's an interesting aspect of this that I hadn't, I'd never considered. I knew they were wise men, but does that just mean they were really smart? Or was there some political uh, situation involving them? And I'm thinking to myself, this makes wonderful sense. If they were an entourage representing an empire that Rome fairly recently had had some very serious military struggles with, and they show up in Israel, in Jerusalem. Herod, as Rome's representative, is approached by these kingmakers. It might make them a little nervous. Now, this article here says something that I'm not sure I agree with. I don't know. I'd have to do some more research. But it makes wonderful sense to me. Because remember when I asked the question about why would all of Jerusalem be disturbed at the arrival of the Magi? Well, First of all, they're not just three smart guys riding camels. They represent a ruling priestly part of a culture that Rome is in conflict with and never conquered. They were no doubt traveling in full force with all of their oriental pomp, riding Persian steeds rather than camels. And according to John MacArthur, they would have accompanying them a lot of Persian cavalrymen. There'd be an army. So this army shows up in Jerusalem with the wise men and they find Herod and they said, where's the king of the Jews? That would certainly explain why Herod was greatly troubled in all of Jerusalem with him. Now I have no reason to doubt John MacArthur, but this is the first I've heard of this, but it makes... It makes wonderful sense, in my mind, why that would bother uh, Herod. And since these were well known that the Magi were, quote-unquote, kingmakers, they come asking for some for another king other than Herod. And this explains why Herod the self-absorbed ruler of the Jews, um, would be disturbed. An army from an empire that Romans having con has had conflict with in the past shows up. And they ask him, where's the king of the Jews? And that also explains why he complied with their wishes, because what does he do? Come on, here, can we find that scripture again? Here we are down here. When Herod heard this, he was disturbed. When he called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he says, where is the Messiah to be born? 
and they told him in Bethlehem in Judea. And that became the last piece of information that the that the Magi needed. And so they went off to Bethlehem. Now, how are they going to find Jesus in Bethlehem? They probably did some asking around. Um, at the, by this time, you know, I, I, they had a general idea when Jesus was going to be born, but of course they didn't arrive at the time of his birth. That's why we find out in the story later that Herod discovered by asking questions of the Magi when they became aware and they, it, it, there was like a two-year window. And so that's why he decided to send his soldiers and kill all the children of Bethlehem that were two years boys, two years old and younger, hoping to get rid of this future king that these kingmakers had come to his castle, his palace to tell him about. When they came into the city of Jerusalem, Herod saw them, he became very nervous. That's why the Bible says that Herod was troubled. Here's where that information about what that word means. The Greek word conveys the idea that he was agitating like a washing machine, literally shaking as the king of the Jews himself. The great dream of his life was to get that little buffer state in the middle of two huge contending empires, Rome and the Medes, under his control. All of a sudden, this massive group of Persians arrive in the city and he panicked because the new king they were coming to find would be a threat to the realization of his dream. So that kind of puts a different spin on this whole story of the Magi, doesn't it? Isn't that, isn't, I don't know about you, but I find that fascinating. First of all, that they came from an empire that, and they represented a class of people in, a, in an enemy empire of Rome that were known to be kingmakers. But it also is fascinating to me that I don't think they were there to make Jesus a king. They were going to come and worship him. They came and worshiped him. Matthew says they worshiped him and they gave him his parents frank, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, right? And very expensive spices and gold. Uh, and they honored this one who would be the true king of the Jews that would become Messiah. It's amazing to me, again, the angels show up to the shepherds, non-religious, not, not a part of the religious elite, common blue-collar guys. The angel appears to Mary and Joseph common blue-collar people marry to give birth to Messiah in a stable, not a palace, not a place of wealth or prestige, but in a stable. And when the wise men got there, they were probably living in a house, so they, he wasn't, you know, Jesus wasn't like in a stable anymore. But humble, a humble abode, and and then these magi, they're not Hebrews. They studied the scripture, and they did the basic math, and they knew basically when Messiah was going to be born. 
They did the work. And the religious leaders of, of this day, they could have done the work, the religious leaders of Israel, but they didn't. The Magi did, because that was their discipline. They were, they were uh, very disciplined and educational, the various educational disciplines. So I find it amazing that, first of all, Gentiles knew the king of Jew, the Jews was going to be born. And that shows how out of touch the religious community in Jesus' day was. They didn't know. I don't know why they didn't know. They had the same information to draw from that the wise men did. Um, the fact that when the wise men showed up, it disturbed Herod sure would make sense when they were just more than three old guys and a couple camels. If they showed up like this author and John MacArthur thinks they did with a with an armed entourage and representatives of an empire that Rome never beat down. So it's kind of a, this whole thing kind of makes sense to me now. And then, of course, they give frankincense, gold, and myrrh to Mary and Joseph. That would certainly help to support Mary and Joseph while they were still on the run from things. Remember, because remember the, the timeline was Mary has a visitation with Gabriel. She goes to see Elizabeth. She comes home three months pregnant. Sometime soon, Joseph takes her as his wife, even though she's pregnant with a child other than his own. He takes her to Bethlehem with himself. We talked about that, how uh, the shame that she would, that the world would heap upon her and Joseph and her family and Joseph's family because of her illegitimate birth, according illegitimate pregnancy. They didn't believe that God would have done that. And how, so they were poor. They weren't wealthy. And they go to Bethlehem. Can't stay in the inn. Nobody will give them help. They stay in a stable. They pro and then they probably move into a little house. And then the wise men bring gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And then they have to flee to Egypt to get away from Herod because Herod was getting ready to absolutely come down on Bethlehem like a ton of bricks. So the gifts that they gave probably supported that family during the next four or five years until they could come back home to Nazareth. So there's a lot of details that are coming together um, that I just didn't, I never knew before. I don't know if you are as fascinated about this as I am, but the historical nerdy part of me just really got a truckload on this subject. The Magi are no longer as much a mystery to me. The Magi that visited Jesus and Joseph and Mary were descendants of the Magi who were introduced to the Holy Scriptures by Daniel. Isn't that fascinating? Hmm. All right. That's enough for today. Now, tomorrow, uh, there'll be a wrap-up Saturday. And then we're going to start on some new subjects starting on Monday of next week. This is Mr. G. 
There's my coffee. I'm out of there. Bye.